Good morning. It is Tuesday, June 2nd, and this is Community Pulse, your local report on the coronavirus pandemic in mid-Missouri. You can catch Community Pulse Monday through Thursday at 9 a.m. on KOPN, and all episodes can be found online at kopn.org and on our Facebook page. Just a quick reminder that today is election day here in Boone County. You can visit vote.boonmo.org. That's vote.boonmo.org to find your polling place and more information. Today on Community Pulse, we are talking about a subject that admittedly is way over my head, endothelial cell infection in COVID-19. Thankfully, we have Dr. Elizabeth Alleman here to help us understand the data and interpret the medical jargon. Dr. Alleman is a local family physician and host of Your Health Matters here on KOPN. Good morning, Elizabeth. Good morning, Mallory, and good morning to our listeners. I um, am so grateful to KOPN this morning as I was waking up to the news, and I thought this is just absurd to be talking about the minutiae of a viral infection when so much is going on in the world. And then I listened to Democracy Now!, and I realized, okay, Amy Goodman covered that really well. I'm sure that if we could listen to Amy Goodman all day long, we still wouldn't have it covered completely. Mm-hmm. But that is not my area of expertise. And so um, while my heart is heavy and um, I, my mind is spinning, um, I am so grateful that we have um, resources like great journalism from Democracy Now! to sort of set things, set our heads a little bit straighter. Mm-hmm. And so because we prepared, because I'm prepared <laughs> to talk about, I mean, what a day in, the, in our lives where talking about the specific ravages of uh, the virus causing a global pandemic feels like irrelevance. Right. Yeah. Right. And okay. it is, it's all connected. I mean, it, it really is. The folks who are being the most affected by the pandemic, by COVID-19, are, you know, the communities that need more support right now. Um, yes. So we'll and and we do have the intention to kind of think about how to approach that topic um, from the community pulse perspective, Dr. Alleman. We were just talking about possibly doing something on Thursday. Um, right. So our our proposed topic for Thursday is uh, uh, civil unrest in a time of pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Intersectionality is always challenging, and this one is um, no. No uh, more than others. It's way more than others. Okay. So just I'm going to get back to our <laughs> our format. Um, in the world today, 6.4 million people have been uh, diagnosed with COVID-19, and uh, 378 deaths have been attributed to it, with uh, 2.7 million uh, people in the process of recovering. And in the United States, we're, you know, pushing up on that 2 million mark, 1.8 million uh, uh, people in the United States have been diagnosed with COVID-19 with 107,000 deaths and uh, 616,000 people recovering. And in Missouri, we have 13,728 cases, 153 cases in uh, Boone County, and uh, 790 deaths in Missouri, still with one, only one uh, death in Boone County. Uh, but now we have the first um, 
uh, death in Audrain County. So, you know, the, the sombering thing with Matthew Holloway's data is to watch the state fill up from gray to red with all of all, all but six of the counties now having documented cases. And now on his other graphic, the state is now beginning to, to turn from gray to purple as um, uh, counties, uh, more and more counties report deaths. Um, so, um, and our topic that I wanted to talk about was, I know this sounds so minutia, endothelial cell infection and endotheliitis in COVID-19. Um, that's a lot of words. So what I'm going to say is that there was an, uh, a letter to the editor, so a correspondent in The Lancet. So The Lancet is a journal published in uh, the United Kingdom, and they have a, a great reputation for screening their publication. But this is a letter. This is somebody reporting what they saw. So this is not peer-reviewed uh, uh, research. So this is, hey, we saw some things, and we thought everybody else should know that we saw these things. Um, <clears throat> it was published April 20th, and I, um, through the wonders of social media, it uh, came across my eyes. Um, it's a case series, uh, three people, um, and it was reported by one group of practitioners, I think, from the University of Zurich, but it's hard exactly to know that. And this is based on some examination of autopsy and pathology specimens. So two of the people died, and then their bodies were examined under the medical process called autopsy. And another person survived, but during the course of their illness, um, they had a surgery and uh, their uh, intest part of their intestines were removed, and that uh, surgical sample was sent to the pathologist, and they looked at that too. And what they noticed was that they could see virus inside the endothelium, and they also saw inflammatory cells and changes consistent with inflammation. So what does that mean? That means that we we're presuming that the virus infect is infecting these cells, and it's my understanding that's a new thing for a virus to do. So the endothelial cells are basically the lining cells on the inside of all of our blood vessels. And um, we have known for a long time that this virus was doing – that if people who were very sick with this virus got blood vessel damage. So we were seeing strokes, which is a blood clot in a blood vessel or a blood vessel weakening and a bleeding in the brain. We were seeing heart attacks um, and, uh, and also – and called congestive heart failure or myocarditis, where the muscle of the heart does not work well. And that can be caused by not getting enough blood to the muscle. Either suddenly a large part of it doesn't get enough blood and that's a heart attack, or over time, um, one of the reasons the muscle can get weakened is if it doesn't have enough blood supply um, in sort of diffusely, but not so sort of a small amount of decreased blood supply spread over the whole heart, and then the muscle weakens, and they get heart failure. Um, and then people are talking about um, other blood clots, about what people are seeing, some sort of purple changes in people's toes that they're calling COVID toes. Um, and then this weird widespread um, inflammatory syndrome that we're calling a Kawasaki-like um, syndrome in children. And that might be explained by seeing this virus inside the cells that line the inside of the blood vessels. 
Um, and it may provide an opportunity for prevention of serious, serious illness and treatment. Um, so either prevention before you even get the virus and building your body up to be less susceptible to endothelial damage, um, uh, prevention of serious disease once you get the disease, and then maybe even treatment. So um, people are talking about using a common uh, category of blood pressure drugs, the ACE inhibitors, uh, statins, which are common cholesterol-lowering drugs, and then this article talked about anti-inflammatory anti-cytokine drugs. I, I was unaware of anti-cytokine drugs, um, and uh, I found one. Um, which is a new, a fairly recently uh, used drug for um, arthritis. And it's not one that I've prescribed before. Um, so it may just be that I am not as up-to-date as I should be or that this is a really new and um, unusual treatment. Um, so uh, endothelial cells line the inside of all blood vessels, um, and they apparently do more than that. So this there's a paragraph that has a lot of medical jargon in it, and I want to just sort of take it apart a little bit. So the vascular endothelium is an active paracrine, endocrine, and autocrine organ that is indispensable for the regulation of vascular tone and the maintenance of vascular homeostasis. Endothelial dysfunction is a principal determinant of microvascular dysfunction by shifting the vascular equilibrium towards vasoconstriction with subsequent organ ischemia, inflammation, and associated tissue edema and a procoagulant state. So that is a lot of medical jargon, and I'm going to break it down a little bit. And that is that the endothelial cells aren't just passive lining. They also secrete hormones that act locally, like inside their own cells and in local cells and then at a distance. And um, they regulate vascular tone. So vascular tone, like when you have a sudden loss of vascular tone, you pass out. So when we talk about shock, that's a loss of vascular tone. And we all know that that's serious. So the, all the blood vessels sort of all get a little bit um, weak and dilate, then we can't maintain our blood pressure because now there's way more volume for the blood to all be in. And if they all tighten down, then we get um, high, high blood pressure. And um, so there's that. So we want that needs to be regulated very carefully. So the maintenance of vascular homeostasis. So we want there to, there's this intricate dance of making sure that there's enough but not too much tone in all of our blood vessels so that um, our, we can maintain our blood pressure. And um, the other thing is that when endothelial cells get inflamed and irritated, that's when we get um, uh, the sudden uh, disruption of plaque. Um, which, you know, we all know that if you're, if you don't eat a great life, I mean, if you don't eat a great diet and you don't exercise and you smoke cigarettes and you drink alcohol, then you may develop what we call atherosclerotic disease where plaque forms on the inside of our blood vessels. And actually that, that plaque gets covered up by endothelial cells. And if those get inflamed and irritated, they do less of a good job of hiding that plaque from our blood vessel, from our actual blood. And when that gets disrupted, we think that's the microscopic event that precedes a heart attack or a stroke. Um, so this is, I am not aware of a virus that does this. It's possible that it does in um, unusual circumstances. Um, 
And this is interesting to me that this virus may be doing that, and that would explain why some people get so sick in the way they do. So what does that mean for those of us who, most of us in Boone County who do not have COVID-19? And that is that the things that we, that doctors and nutritionists and health advocates have been saying for years that we should all do for our health are things that help our endothelial cells be happy. So that is don't smoke, be active, avoid sitting for long periods of time. So even people who exercise a lot, if they sit more than four hours a day, that is an independent risk factor for endothelial damage manifested in heart disease. Um, and you cannot exercise enough to undo that. So that's why we need to be moving around more. And that's a concern for all of us now doing all these Zoom meetings, which I find much more passive than meeting in person. And avoid smoking. Eat a diet that is high in vegetables um, because the, these, especially the vegetables who have lots of different colors, those polyphenols are substances that make the endothelial cells very happy and not having enough of them makes them unhappy. Making sure we get our omega-3 fatty acids, which most people get from uh, fish like salmon or cod livers or the small fish like sardines and anchovies. Um, and um, the one thing that is hard for all of us during the time of pandemic is many of us, I'm talking to many of my patients, where we coped with those first that first month by eating more bread and cakes and breakfast cereal and chips and crackers and, um, and sweets. Um, I have found that um, ice cream is a great way to get through my discomfort of the afternoon. Um, and those things, things made out of flour and things that are sweetened, whether it's with sugar or maple syrup or honey or even um, the artificial sweeteners are pro-inflammatory foods and they make, they, they really make our endothelial cells unhappy. Um, so if we can manage our insulin by making sure that our diet is mostly uh, vegetables, a few fruits, like one serving a day, mostly berries, um, very limited uh, uh, things made out of flour and healthy proteins with some really great healthy fats. We say it over and over, people, um, it's, hard, it's hard to do. It's not the, the standard American diet. Um, and then get moving. Um, quitting smoking, even if you are still smoking now and you think it's too late, it is not too late. And being really careful about how much alcohol we drink. That is problematic in a lot of ways, but probably more than three or four drinks a week um, is uh, too much. So um, that is, it still feels like it is so, this conversation is so disconnected from what's going on in the rest of the world. And yet, even with all of what's going on in the rest of the world, and even if you've decided to be active and join in um, uprisings or protest movements, you can still um, not smoke cigarettes and eat your vegetables on your way out the door. Great. Um, Dr. Alleman, I do have a quick question for you. Yeah. Um, uh -huh. So this is a letter that um, was based on three different case studies, as you mentioned. Right. Where would you like to see this kind of research go next? I, I, um, so what I am feeling a little disappointed about, uh, the medical and health leadership in our country is not speaking about um, 
preventative medicine except to say, wash your hands, avoid close encounters with other people, um, wear a mask. Um, I think all of those things are so helpful, and we and I think it's important to do that. I think everybody knows that that's the recommendation, and I don't know that repeating that as many times as we have uh, and ongoing is still helpful. I think that many people are really hungry for information about um, speculative. Do I know whether doing these things is going to change your endothelial cells in a way that will prevent COVID-19 from giving you a stroke or a heart attack? No, I don't. But the side effects of it is that you might lose a little bit of weight. Your mind might be clearer. You might um, uh, have better quality sleep. Your libido might come up and you might feel more energetic. Your mood will be better. And so I think that uh, it's, it's a disappointment to me that lifestyle medicine keeps getting shunted to the side because we don't have the kind of evidence we need to, we need to have when we're prescribing a medication. And, um, yeah, so that I'm hoping that that's what happens. I think that's a long shot. I, um, I think that there are already smart people thinking about this, and I'll bet that what's going to happen soon is that we'll have trials of – ACE inhibitors and statins and these anti-cytokine drugs during pe- for people who are already very sick. And I think it also informs um, conversations about what we should do for treating high blood pressure uh, among people who are not infected with COVID. So we know that the, the virus gets into the cells by um, sticking onto the ACE receptor that's on the outside of the cell. And we have medicines that block um, those uh, receptors. And there's been some concern that maybe people shouldn't be taking those um, before they get infected. And I've had some conversations with some of my patients who are taking them. And the best data is that people should, has been people should just keep taking them. We don't know enough to have people shifting their medicines. And we want, we know that high blood pressure is a risk factor for severe disease, and we're hoping that controlling people's blood pressure reduces their uh, risk, but we don't have that data yet. Um, so we don't want to be changing people's blood pressure medicine if we don't have a compelling reason to do that because that's more trips into the doctor. It may be some time with your blood pressure not as well controlled while we adjust things. Um, so that's been kind of the reason for not changing people from ACE inhibitors. But now there is some thought that maybe we should be um, preferentially choosing an ACE inhibitor. So uh, this week I just started one of my patients on a blood pressure medicine for the first time. And, um, well, I guess she had been on it in the past. But anyway, we were doing a new start, and and I was happy to begin with an ACE inhibitor um, because I have this perhaps flawed impression that maybe it'll be helpful if she gets COVID-19. Hmm. So I don't know what's the next step, but I hope people are looking at these various um, ways to stabilize endothelial cells with pharmaceuticals. Hmm. Anything else you'd like to to leave us with today? Yeah, so today is uh, community testing at Hickman High School. Apparently, you can walk or bike up if you need to. Um, uh, That was documented by Jenny on Facebook this morning, showing somebody on a bicycle being tested. It's election day, and it's a great day to to express your, uh, do your civic duty. And that way you can uh, go to your polling place or you can go to the um, 
uh, Boone County Clerk's Office and vote today in person. And if you've got an absentee ballot and you haven't returned it yet, you can return that in person to the county clerk's office. So I hope that everybody stays well and stays safe and uh, follows their principles. And we will talk. Let's see. Tomorrow will be Jenny Chadwick. And I don't remember who her guest is. Do you remember who she told us yet? Um, I don't remember either. I don't think we know quite yet, but it'll be something good. We know. I'm sure that Jenny will have a great topic. And then Thursday, we're going to talk. We think Peter will be the engineer, and we will be talking about pandemic and protests. Awesome. Great. Thanks so much, Dr. Alleman. Okay. Thank you. Bye. That's it for today's edition of Community Pulse. You can catch Community Pulse Monday through Thursday at 9 a.m. and later in the day at KOPN.org and on our Facebook page. As always, we want to know what questions, comments, and insights you have to share related to coronavirus. Have you been to a protest and what ha- what considerations have you taken because of the pandemic? Um, leave us a message at 573-874-1139 or email gm at kopn.org. Coming up next, we'll have a brief music break and then KOPN General Manager Tim Pilcher will join us in the studio to discuss tomorrow's pledge drive. After that, we'll air my interview with director of the new documentary, WBCN and the American Revolution. Revolution. It's a film that follows the untold story of the early days of the legendary underground Boston radio station. You can support KOPN by renting the film online for $10 now through June 11th. 50% of the proceeds go to KOPN, and you can find the link to rent on our website, kopn.org. Stay tuned for that conversation coming up next. Thank you for listening to KOPN 89.5, your volunteer-run, listener-supported community radio station.